0: Welcome to The Sober Unicorn. We are a gay-hosted, all-inclusive podcast about sobriety and addiction recovery for the LGBT plus community and all of our allies. I'm your host, Holden, and thank you for joining us today. Hey, 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 it's Holden, and I am an alcoholic. Today, I'm being joined by Brett. Hi, Holden. Hey, Brett, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. I know we connected via Instagram um, in an odd way, but I mean, we did connect and I'm so happy that you have decided to come on and share your journey of sobriety. So why don't you tell everybody, like, of course, your name, age, how long you've been sober and what your drug of choice was?
1: Sure. Um, well, my name is Brett Quigley. I'm 31 years old. Um, originally from New York. I live in L.A. now and my, I'm five years sober. And my drug of choice was uh, primarily alcohol, but also cocaine, for sure.
0: And yeah, cocaine, I know a lot of, it seems like a lot of younger generations um, are very cross-addicted. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we were major party animals. So what, like, why don't you take everybody through what led up to that final decision of like, I have to get sober? And how was your journey kind of in early sobriety?
1: Yeah. um, Well, it's something, I mean, now, you know, when we look back and I'm sure you can kind of reflect on this as well, we kind of like look and we're like, oh my God, like that was an issue. That was an issue. We kind of go through like the stream of our life and like see where it all started. And for me right away, I would say like, I, I started drinking in high school and I was a real, I was pretty shy and I would say innocent you know, very like innocent kid. And but when I started drinking, it was like already, you know, I was like getting wasted. And that just kind of progressed heavily into um my my late teen and definitely early twenties. Early twenties, it was like I was experiencing like episodes every other week or every weekend. Um and that could be, you know, from like hospitalizations to losing my phone, my wallet, having issues or getting into fights which is so not me like sober you know um and ultimately the last time um i had gone through like a string rehab and a sober house etc and a relapse and um it was like the sixth time i was in the hospital i woke up in the west village in new york city um from a night that i just like didn't remember i had two tubes on my arm um and this was Second time I was hospitalized in that time frame, um, in, in like a month, and my drinking had gotten to the point where I was waking up in the morning and drinking, which I never thought it would. And I ripped the tubes off of my arm. I like looked around and it was weird. It was like no one was in the hospital. It was like very early in the morning, and I literally said to myself in my head, "I was like, what do I want in my life?" I'm like, what do I want in life and how am I going to get it? And this issue that had been, um, I'd been struggling with for years, um, was the thing that was getting in the way of me getting what I want in life, which, um, ultimately is like what, what everyone wants, like a family and su- success and in whatever way that is success in just being happy, you know, like, um. And that is kind of what was like the the switch.
0: Yeah. So I mean, it's crazy to to hear that in high school that you were kind of a shy person. Because if anybody goes and looks at your social media, like it seems like you're this very adventurous, spontaneous, just incredibly big extrovert.
1: Yeah. I I don't know why. I I guess like, I guess in social media, right? Like you document moments of like you going out or or doing stuff but truly like I'm pretty chill as a person like I'm pretty much very like a homebody but I do enjoy like some of the superficial elements of social media I think it's all fun um,
0: yeah so when like you said you went to rehab um, was this rehab Was this the only rehab you went to
1: I, yeah I only went once to rehab. Was it
0: by choice or were you forced um, to go?
1: Um, my parents had tried to get me to go to rehab since I was like 18 years old. And um, I'm going to be really honest on on this because I feel like, like I said, it's like very much my people. So I feel like people come from a place of understanding when they're listening to your podcast. But um, I just had a string of really bad Incidences, including like uh, um, like a stint in a mental health facility, and um, even after that situation, it just didn't change. I like thought it would change, and it didn't. Like it would always go back to you know the addiction. And as I'm sure you know, or many anyone who struggles with addiction would know that it's something that you kind of have to like get hit in the head with a million times, um, and Finally, I woke up and um, when I went to rehab this, I was 24 years old. So this was before I got sober the second time. And I woke up and it was like next, like, you know, like rolled up money and empty beer cans and this like random apartment. And I was like, this is so sleazy. (laughs) That's truly what I thought.
0: I mean, we kind of find ourselves in like in the in string of addiction, in the worst of situations, waking up with random people next to us, and in random places, and we're like, how the hell did we get here?
1: Exactly. It's just, yeah, it just puts you in, or you put yourself in situations that you generally wouldn't. So, um, yeah, I texted my parents. I was like, all right, I think it's time um, to go. Time to go, Yeah.
0: So, of course, like you say, you went to rehab, I'm assuming after you got out is when you entered into sober living. Yeah. Um, so what, what made you relapse after that, after, of course, being sober in rehab and in sober living?
1: Um, yeah, it, I'm going to be honest with you. When I when I sent that text message to my parents and I said, I, I'm ready to go to rehab, I looked at it, my life had become so chaotic and I had gone through a really bad breakup and I had that whole, you know, incident in the the hospital. So I, um, I, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. I, I guess I didn't really believe I was going to stay sober that time. I didn't. I knew for sure, even going into rehab, but I looked at it as like, okay, I could take a vacation from my life. And, you know like you think of rehab at least i thought of rehab and it was like pampered you know like i, I was like i thought i was going to like come out with like a, a best friend like lindsay lohan and like you know like we'd find the love of our lives together and just chill and it, it wasn't like that it was like a boot camp so i mean did you find love within rehab because it seems
0: like many people that step into rehab in recovery they kind of latch onto that first person they find any connection with that's also in sob- in uh, sobriety so did you find that
1: romance no they most of them were like straight guys my parents had found like this rehab um it's called ambrosia and it's in um port st lucie florida mm-hmm. and i flew there and it was all like str- very like um like street you know like most of them are heroin addicts, and they were all like into rap music and all this stuff that i had. i I just was like, I was like, "What the fuck? Like where did I?
0: <laughs> it's like you you kind of got pushed into this stereotypical uh, toxic masculinity type rehab. Oh, oh totally. Yeah. which is probably a good thing. I mean, but I mean, it seems like, as you said, you kind of went into rehab knowing that you weren't ready.
1: Yeah, Yeah. So okay. getting out
0: of rehab, sober living, relapse through your relapse, like, I guess you finally started kind of thinking back at all those times and you finally said, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And you kind of realized to yourself that you had to stop. So take me, take us through the, like the first recovery. I mean, did you seek out a 12 step? Did you lean on friends? I mean, how did you get through your first recovery again?
1: Uh, like the second kind of the time that actually stuck? Yeah. Or... The
0: five-year time. <laughs>
1: okay. So that time it was a completely different scenario. Like I knew that I had to get sober. I knew that like in order to get what I wanted out of life, I needed to be sober. So I, my whole mindset was completely different than it was the first time. And my friends and family have all had tried to kind of like get me to get sober, you know, prior to this. So they were all very supportive and, um, just it was something in my head that like was just different and it was like I was willing very willing to fight for um sobriety I was very willing to fight for it and whatever that took so um I spent a lot of time you know like completely deterring myself from you know my general patterns of like going out and and partying and going out to like clubs and stuff It just wasn't my thing like so i stayed in my room and I was like would like force myself to stay in my room and I don't know if you felt this when you first got sober but you have that like feeling and it's almost that hunger for like for alcohol or drugs and it's like you feel it and it's just hard to like shake so like you have to like remove yourself and that's what I had to do.
0: That was me yesterday um I
1: like I'll be honest with everybody I mean
0: like I have the the podcast and I mean the struggle doesn't end I mean it gets easier over time but like I'm a little past three months I took a final or midterm last night failed it only by like two questions so not bad but that immediately the moment that would happen for me is when I'd drive straight to the bar down the street start getting fucked up and so I live in a house that there is ample amount of liquor Mm -hmm. so I started having to call my sponsor I had to call another fellow alcoholic and I was like hey like I want to drink and I had to take myself out of the house I was on the back porch but still um I was in the freezing cold for like an hour just like shaking my legs and then through conversating um like the leg shaking finally stopped the urge finally calmed down but there are instances in our lives even still to this day even with you with being five years there's probably things that you come across that re trigger that I mean, craving.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think now for me, like what I deal with is, um, but I know exactly what you're talking about. That feeling that you felt yesterday is something that anyone who's in our situation feels. Um, and now for me, the only thing I would say that at this moment I deal with is anxiety. And it's the, the beautiful thing in my head sometimes of taking a drink and that anxiety going away so quickly I can't do that and that's hard
0: but so what do you do I mean like because there are a lot of people that listen that probably have anxiety so as somebody mm-hmm. five years in still with that struggle how do you cope
1: yeah I think I now have channeled it into fitness and um creativity um and those have been become outlets um, for me and also people around me. So the people around me who are supportive or like, uh, they say like move a, move a muscle, change a thought. Yes.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's super important to change the places. I mean, we, when we drink, we create this habit of get off of work or around 3 p.m. is where we're texting the people to meet us at the bar. We're already kind of scheduling our night out of drinking so as you said when you finally got sober this time for five years you have to remove yourself you have to change those habits of the places that you're going to the people that you're around or it's that constant reminder of your drinking
1: yeah it's it's definitely like a big part of of it absolutely
0: who do you who did you lean or who do you and did you lean to the most I mean did you lean on a higher power friends a 12-step group
1: um i think for both cases all of the above like definitely um my my friends were, were a big part of it uh both times um my family was a huge part of both times as well and the 12 step program we would go to aa meetings in in rehab so i was very like well versed in uh, those and Um, also higher power I think I've always been spiritual so it's definitely been a part of kind of like my journey as well so
0: yeah I mean same here spirituality is a huge thing Um, and so I mean as somebody I mean most of the guests that I've had on don't lean on that higher power so as somebody that does how do you as a gay person Mm -hmm. that has probably had built up prejudice of religion god and so on find comfortability in leaning into your higher power and actually kind of developing that relationship.
1: Yeah, I love that kind of way you put it. I think it's, it's, uh, it's like very beautifully put. I, um, I guess, yeah, I think when I was younger, I was always really into the idea of something bigger than me and like a higher power. Um, And I grew up Catholic. So yeah, I mean, being gay, it's like difficult because like you're, I mean, this is a whole other story. (laughs) But you pretty much are like told either you have to conform to something like based on things that, you know, I'm big on science. I'm big on psychology. I'm just going to be honest about like what I believe in. And whatever. Um, So, I guess there was a moment in my life, probably 19, 20 years old, I was kind of looking for something, you know. And because, especially because the right had made, you know, Christianity so negative towards gay people, it completely turned me off, obviously. So, I had gone to classes for like Buddhism and Kabbalah, is something that I like read books on and attended. Um, classes about and there was some beauty in all of that I thought you know so I had a kind of I took some beauty from all of these things that I'd learned but at the end of the day like I really believe in um, I believe in science so I believe in evolution and I believe that we know that we were born gay and it's a variation of like sexual orientation is like a variation of humanity it's just like some people are gay, some people aren't. So to me, it's like bizarre to think someone's going to hell for that. Um, so I certainly don't subscribe to organized religion at all. I think it's it's just not for me. Um Same here.
0: I mean, hashtag Lady Gaga, born this way. Um <laughs> yeah. thanks, girl, for those quotes. But it's the thing is what I do enjoy, because I mean I had massive prejudice. I mean, I was a part mm-hmm. of the church young. But what I do enjoy, especially what the 12-step program has taught me, is it's okay to have a spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be with God. It doesn't have to be with Buddha. Um, you get to create what you want. I mean, it's just like we both said, It's we had to believe that there was something bigger than what we were as people. And mm-hmm. even though our egos as gay people is always huge, um, we have to set that aside and know that there's something bigger than what we are. And that's really helped me because I know whether it's like, for me, it's more the universe. It's more of yes. just kind of the flow of the universe and the law of attraction. Totally. Um, it may develop into a being rather than the whole universe itself. But it's so important for me to be able to have something to lean on when I am going through those hard times.
1: Yeah. I, I completely agree. That's exactly kind of what I believe in too. Um, and I agree with you that it's, it's important to kind of have something and, um, have something that you kind of like look up to or believe in or, um, and yeah, it doesn't have to be. So I think like we have been conditioned in our world, everything is this or that, or this or that. And like, it's just all bullshit, (laughs) you know, like, there are different denominations of christianity for instance that believe different things there are different like very like, there are different variations of every religion um so who's to say that you know we can't believe that there's just something that we don't know what it is it's out there and we could put our trust in that and live our lives and be good people i, I don't see how that's uh, invalid i think that's it's great and if it helps us that's awesome
0: yes i think <clears throat> that's the biggest thing is just helping i mean getting help yeah i mean whether people want to believe that it's helping us or not it i mean for me it kind of has to be for somebody as you said that was waking up and drinking to Mm -hmm. being hospitalized tubes in your arms to be five years sober healthy happy if you end up following his social media you'll see that he does dedicate a lot of time in the gym and you seem to be somebody that has found a lot of joy and happiness and sobriety.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's allowed me to um, live my life on my terms. And uh, honestly, a lot of it ha- has, you know, allowed me to kind of just be like, I'm going to do what I want in life. And it has given me the freedom to be able to do that. So
0: yeah, not be scheduling our time around liquor or the parties and it. Then- gives us a sense of clarity when we have goals we can imagine we can actually like fight to maintain those goals and actually achieve them rather than pushing them to the side or procrastinating with them because we have to have that next drink or that next blow or the next whatever it is whatever that substance is
1: yeah yeah absolutely it's yeah we kind of get to make our own decisions on like what we do and you know for me it's like I was completely person when I would drink so it's... yes <laughs> what
0: did you have an alter ego name
1: I, I didn't have a name <laughs> I, I wonder if I asked my friends what they would say um but I was just a disaster I truly was I mean I, was I, a mess.
0: I always say like I was a hot mess but I mean, I, I focused on the positive. So I just took the word hot. And that's what I said. I was like, screw the mess aspect of it all. But yeah, I mean, we, we were a mess. And at least now would we go out to dinner with friends, I mean, and go to parties even because we don't, I mean, we don't shy away from events, mm. at least when you're long term. I think in your early days, it is important to pull yourself away, create new habits. But once you're sober for a long time, how do you, because I mean, you're in L.A., which is a mecca of gay, and yeah. <laughs> wee ho for Halloween, um, kind of any party really. West Hollywood is cry cry over there. So, yeah. how do how do you go into these events knowing that you're gonna walk out sober?
1: Um, well, I'm very like, if I do anything, like I'm very clear with anyone who I talk with that I'm sober, and part of that is because I I'm holding myself accountable whether that's subconscious or not, I'm telling people I'm sober just because I hope that then they would kind of like understand where I'm coming from. Um, but I don't honestly go out to parties that much, but I do obviously sometimes, cause they're they fun, you know? I just don't stay that long. So like I'll stay like an hour and a half and go and have fun and talk to people and then I'm kind of over it or, it's just not my thing. Like, I don't do it till like 4 a.m. anymore.
0: Yeah. I, oh, God. I don't know what we thought. Because, I mean, now me being sober, it's like 9.30 p.m. And I was like, girl, I'm ready for bed. It's like, how the hell was I drunk as hell staying awake till 4 to 7 in the
1: morning oh going to work the next day? It's like, I can't even, I don't understand how, how we did that. I mean, that's <laughs> probably what you used the cocaine for, was to sober up a bit. Yeah. For sure, but it's it's insane
0: on how when we go to parties now. I went to a friend's birthday recently, and I had a reason to be there. I don't really go to bars unless I have a specific reason. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a friend's birthday. I walk in, everything was fine. The birthday yeah. kind of started dying down, and then that's when the party festivities started. Not parties and drugs, but parties and just alcohol. Yeah, and that's when I that's when I kind of like looked around, and I was like, "All right, bitch, it's time to go." Like yeah. it's it's a weird thing that when you're sober, these places when drunk you thought were home, you called it home, home away from home. You that was your chill spot, whatever you want to call it. When you become sober and just kind of a new person, you look at this and you're just like, I you're kind of in shock. You're just like, This is not my place, this ain't my people anymore, nothing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a completely different mindset. And it it takes a while sometimes to get there, but it's it's insane looking back and like seeing like I I think about uh, some of the things that like I settings I was surrounded by, and I'm just like so bizarre. I would never do that now, you know. So I know that we
0: we kind of a lot of us tend to create new hobbies. I mean, we have all this newfound time. Some of us create hobbies. Other people create businesses, and. I know that you and your sobriety have found inspiration in creating your own business.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, I, I started Sparrow Blue, which is a clothing brand. Um, just something I had wanted to do as a teenager, like, a, or maybe I was like 11 or 12 when I like started the idea of it. And in sobriety, it was like, I'm going to make sure I do what I wanted to do as a kid. I want to make sure I want to do as an adult. Like... I'm very big now on doing what I want to do. Um, so Sparrow Blue has just become kind of like a passion business and something that I've been able to like be creative with, which has been a, such a blessing for me. So. And how long have you done um, Sparrow Blue? I've done it for one year. Um, so it is still relatively new, but um, I've kind of, been really like lucky that it's gone so well so far so
0: I mean as yeah. I told you before the, the we started recording um I was just on Instagram of course scrolling for hours like we usually do yeah. and um I had seen a celebrity wearing uh wearing your stuff I'm not going to name them just in case they don't want themselves name dropped but yeah. it's it's incredible to see something that you found in sobriety something that you actually now have the time for energy for and now money cuz you're probably saving a shit ton of money not spending it mm-hmm. on alcohol and blow. So yeah. come to fruition to the point where people that are in the limelight are wearing your clothing and wearing wearing it the hell out because it was in several of their videos.
1: Yeah. It's like it's so cool. It's like very very cool and um I feel very grateful um cuz it's just it's very cool to like see think of something and um and then draw it or whatever and then have it made and then see someone with notoriety variety wearing it is really cool and yeah, I feel very very lucky for that
0: that's awesome I don't even know how it would be I know that I worked for FedEx and a small business came in and they were shipping stuff to uh oh my god Kat Von D the the tattoo artist yeah. like I cannot imagine being a small business owner or business owner in general, seeing that name come across your website of like this order was placed.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool. And it's funny, it's actually this might be super stupid to some people, but if you like the real house size of Beverly Hills, maybe like someone would appreciate this. But years ago, I had put um I, I'm just gonna say Brandy Glanville on my dream board. I just always liked her. Um and she's a book that I took in rehab and through this I was able to you know meet her and talk to her
0: but that's awesome i mean is there anything kind of we haven't touched on that you want to share with everybody here
1: um yeah i guess just when we kind of talk about uh sobriety and if if i were to give anyone like i guess advice and i'm sure you also could give someone advice on this but I think it's just extremely important to, like, be strong and and think about the things you want in life and make sure that, um, and that could be anything. It could be, I don't know, visiting a certain state or city or whatever. Just like think about those things and think about what um, will get you there. And generally, the answer won't be any type of substance. So.
0: That is true. I mean, substances will get us nowhere except for in weird apartments waking up next to weird people. Um oh, yeah. so, as of course, somebody within the community, what would you tell the gay person or the person part of the LGBT community that is still struggling?
1: Yeah, I think we're kind of like in a very niche area. Like your podcast in general speaks to a very neat niche, niche audience and um, we deal with certain experiences both being gay and also having addiction issues that, you know, are very like, they're very niche. So we deal with kind of two layers of different things that we go through. Um, and I very often think about like the kid that I used to be and, um, what would have made his life better or easier. And I think, um, I don't know if I have the answer to that. (laughs) I think, I think it's important to, um, focus on the positive and the love in the world and the love around you and try to dim the, the negative out. And, um, I think you could do that just by being yourself and, and doing what you want to do in life. And, and look, I mean, we have the freedom to do that. Like we have the freedom to be who we are. And um, if there's a kid struggling, I think, they need to hold on and like be strong. Yeah.
0: I good. mean, what I got from that essentially is like, when we look back at our past selves, it's always that question of what would you tell your past self yeah. that can benefit your future self is again in our string of addiction would we tell our past self bitch don't pick up the bottle don't do that line of cocaine because we know in our addiction that what we were doing was wrong but we just couldn't stop and so it's so important to think about that kid that you were when you were 10 years old and innocent and coming to terms with your sexuality it's like what would you tell them to avoid what would you tell them to make them make sure that they're happy in their young adulthood and in their in their life as a gay person or just a person in general yeah, and yeah. I think we would tell them avoid the addiction avoid the bottle avoid these places and people so <clears throat> I think that's so important it's like would you be proud would your young 10 year old self be proud of who he was about to be years later in mm-hmm. the suffering of addiction
1: yeah that's I think very well put um completely. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. Thank you so much for
0: having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Now this time is to plug things in. So
1: if anybody wants to reach out, um, where can they find you? Sure. My, my personal Instagram is Brett Quigley. My business Instagram is Sparrow Blue Clothing and my website is sparrowblueclothing.com
0: thank you again for listening to today's episode hit that follow button to be notified about new episodes every week if you'd like to reach out to us you can find us on instagram at the sober unicorn podcast or on our website at the sober there you will find our episodes as well as our very own sober owned shop featuring products from small businesses that are sober owned and remember everyone don't be normal be a unicorn but better yet be a sober unicorn